Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name's Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. On today's episode, I want to welcome Fab Giovanetti. Fab is an award-winning entrepreneur, writer, and marketing consultant, and is the founder of Creative Impact, a collective of hundreds of creatives making a positive impact on others and the planet. She's a keen speaker, writer, published author, and guest lecturer, and has recently released her latest book titled Reclaim Your Time Off. All right, Fab, thank you so much for making the time to come on my podcast. I was looking up before, and I'm like really excited to just have this conversation and learn about the many, many things that you do. So first of all, just want to say thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah, and I got to hear a tiny bit of you singing before we started, so I want to say thank you for that as well. You know, you have a very good voice, better than mine. I mean, you're an excellent liar, but thank you. And guys, if you're lucky, you might get some singing. It just happens sometimes. It just literally, if you watch New Girl, that is pretty much my life. So that happens a lot more than I would like to admit. <laughs> there you go. And well, I wasn't lying about it being a better voice than mine. That's definitely true. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah. Before we go into it, we always uh, ask the guests just to give like a bit of a background. So it doesn't mean, need, I mean, we'll cu- things will come up and we'll talk about different things. So more like an abbreviated background on where you've come, like sort of basically how you got to where you are now and what you're doing before we go into it, just so the audience can learn a little bit about you. No problem. So it was the 9th of September, 1990. I'm joking. joking. Again, already panicking, right? Uh, No, the abridged version starts with, um, so so when it comes to what I do, uh, when it comes to my tagline, I am a marketing consultant. So marketing is probably Mm -hmm. what I've been doing for the past 10 years with different ways and in different types of industries. However, in the last seven years now, I could say I really got passionate about uh, wellness and health. And within that, I started doing my research and my studying, always keeping that marketing and understanding of the online world at the forefront. So I then started my own community, which was free at the time. And then like all best things, it turned into a business. And that was called the Health Vloggers Community, which now is known as Creative Impact and is a collective of creatives and experts making a positive impact on the world online. So that has been where I combined marketing with my relatively new love of wellness and well-being and health. Then fast forwarding a touch, um, one of the other things that I love doing and I always love doing is writing. So I wanted to write a book and I set to do that in 2018 when I wrote my first book, Make an Impact. And that was more about the sad community, the idea of you know, well-being, your influence. Uh, however, as you rightfully said to me also before we started recording, I do a lot. And if you Google me, you're like, how does she manage? So um, another thing that I realized is that I love to create things. I love to start projects and I had to learn the hard way how to reclaim my time. 
and this is where the second book that's coming out in May on May 11th, 2021, Could Reclaim Your Time Off came about. It came about from a love of writing still, but also my love of understanding and researching what makes us tick, um, how can we have a better work-life balance. And funnily enough, this all happened pretty much in the midst of a pandemic. So something that I was talking about, just because it was my experience in the past 10 years, pretty much, then became a reality mm-hmm. for a lot of people. So that's kind of the abridged version of who I am, my background, and why am I here. Very cool, and yeah, no, you summed that that up very well, and thank you for for sharing that. And uh, yeah, it's so relevant what you're talking about, and I think a lot of our listeners, the the, the things you're just bringing up there, you know, and what you <laughs> what you were saying with uh, you know, managing time and and bur- burnout. I mean, I, I work in the wellness industry, and burnout is one of the you know biggest things that comes up, and time management, and how do I manage that? And people are working at home, and technology, and we can't switch off, and um, it's so difficult to you know find structure around that uh i try and you know i I actually do a bit i've got a book coming out as well which um came about during the pandemic and a lot of it touches on that yeah thank you (laughs) um but it touches on that but i'm yeah i'm really interested like with the maybe if we first of all go into that topic on burnout because it's such a big topic um how i guess first of all actually with yourself how do you manage it because you're doing a lot of things and i think it's always good to learn from a personal example first. How do you manage it with doing so much? And uh, sorry, one more thing I want to add to that because I can just relate so much to what you said. Um, I I'm creative at heart, and I you know I pursue acting. I've got my business. I do speaking. I've got a book coming out, and I've learned better and better ways to deal with being more focused and you know not just starting a project and moving on to the next, but it's so hard to find that balance because, you know, you you want to create all the time. So then it's difficult to, you know, have structure within that. So anyway, I've bombarded you with lots of different <laughs> things right there. But, um, you know, you can ask me, if, if you need me to clarify what I'm asking, let me know otherwise. Yeah. No, no, um, I got that. There is a couple of questions in there. So I'll try my best yeah. with my squirrel head. That Literally, if you can see a squirrel, that's pretty much how my brain works on a daily basis. So I'll try and focus on the first step and then go for the different questions because they're all interlinked, but I think they are slightly different. So burnout, Mm. obviously myself. So the first element is burnout and then obviously the creative strike. Um, When it comes to burnout, I would say from a personal perspective, it is is an understanding like anything. So if you think about mental health and well-being, having been somebody who suffered from mental health uh, issues in the past, what I learned is that some of these things you will you will come with you in that beautiful journey that is life for the rest of your life and when i came to that realization i appreciated that for, as a person i already know from my patterns that i am prone to overdo things you know some people are great at procrastinating mm-hmm. a skill that i do not have like being bored is something that i cherish and i talk about in the book actually reclaiming your time off how important it is to cultivate boredom um so I'm, I'm the opposite. So I already know that if I'm going to push myself or if I'm going to, again, get into a frenzy, I'm more likely to go towards burnout. What has happened, though, mm-hmm. especially with 2020 and beyond, a lot more people experience burnout. And the reason has been not just because like cool people like us, they're like creative squirrels, but because everybody else also found themselves in a position where they lacked the boundaries, especially physical boundaries, to yeah. separate work and life and other yeah. areas of the life. So everything became one. Even more so, I literally found myself, I don't know if you had that, saying this on a weekly basis, 
um, it's like, oh, yeah, I did a bit of extra work because, you know, what else have you got to do? You know, when you are stuck mm-hmm. at home mm-hmm. and the only two things you can do is be in the house and maybe go out for a walk. You know, especially if you're creative, yeah. especially if you love what you do, you find yourself filling that time with work because, you know, it just feels right. And again, the boundaries get more and more blurred. So on a, on a more generic note, if you go beyond me knowing that this is my pattern, so being able to analyze for myself the signals is the best way to understand, am I getting to the point of doing too much? My best friend, Hannah Wallace, she actually wrote an extra for the book. And she told me once, we were on the phone call, and she said, always pull back 25%, whatever you do. So I'm going to go 100%, mm. pull back 25 What does that mean? Taking time off in the evening, uh, taking an extra break, uh, scheduling a day with no meetings because you had a busy two days. Pulling back, for me, is a great little thing that I do. Again, analyze the patterns, see them, because you will start noticing them. Is it physical? Is it mental? Mm. Is it both? And then what is, your, what is your panic button? How can you reset that in order to avoid that? Uh, as I said, this is for me and people like myself. So if you're a type A, hello, my friend, this can work for us because we will just be more likely to go there. But if you are yeah. anybody else, then I would definitely say uh, building better boundaries because burnout is just coming because of the way that the work life is evolving. And sorry to break it to you guys, it's probably not going to go back to what it used to be. So understanding that building new boundaries is a good thing in general, but even better right now where the way that we work is going to be shifted forever can help anybody else who might not relate as much with that kind of workaholic kind of, you know, (laughs) I call myself a recovering workaholic for a reason. Um, So that's the answer (laughs) to your first question. (laughs) Does Does that answer the question, burnout? That's a very good answer. I like it. I like it. I'll give you the thumbs up on that one. I'm very, very impressed with that answer. Thank you. Like a Zoom reaction <laughs> thumbs up. These are my favorite, by the way. Um, I know. We're gonna bit... Yeah, exactly. No one can say it. <laughs> uh, the second answer to that is actually, so talking about as a creative, you know, we're really creative. You want mm. to do things. You literally reminded me of a conversation that I had with a couple of clients, which I talk about in the book where one of them literally said to me, I'm worried that if I stop, I will lose something. I will lose my creativity and, you know, I will not be able to find my mojo back. And I was like, okay, that's very interesting. How did we get to this point? Um, and so I will give you the very sciencey geeky answer because I'm a geeky. I mean, I look cute, but I'm actually quite geeky. Um, there's actually something called chronotypes. Uh, and chronotypes, what they are is basically they're linked to our circadian rhythms, right? So sleep cycle and awake, okay? So because of who we are, what we think we do is that when we are most energetic and energized, we're actually the most productive and creative. Ah, wrong. Regardless of what type of chronotype you are, which you can get into afterwards if you want, um, what Mm, happens is mm. we all have a energy surge, right? The top of energy. We have a dip and then we have some recovery time. There's a great book by Daniel Pink, Again, the name escapes me right now. I do apologize. Um, but it's one of the two books that talks really in depth about chronotypes. And it tell, tell, tells us that the recovery stage, so not the energy surge, right? Not the peak, but that recovery stage is actually the time where we are most creative. Why? Because we're not too focused. We're not too attached mm, to what's mm. going on. And we actually have allowed ourselves to be a bit more free and to open up to what comes to us. 
So really, by yeah. allowing ourselves to have this dip, which comes naturally throughout the rhythms throughout the day, after that, yeah. this is really where the most creative time is. So we always think that we're most creative when we're most focused, but actually, we're probably most productive. But creativity really comes from a place of allowing yourself to take that break, reset, switch off your mind, and then when you bring it back, the best ideas come. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like a geeky totally. reason why it's actually good to take a break. And that, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, for me, um, I, yeah, I've probably struggled and had to train myself more on the productivity part because I've always been more creative and daydreaming and that sort of thing. But um, in in the acting, I've, I've experienced exactly what you're talking about there, where when you're trying to, you know, you're really trying to force it and put pressure on it, you, number one, it's not enjoyable, but then you actually don't perform as well. It's when you you know, when you sort of like don't really care or you're just not putting pressure and you're in that very relaxed state, that's when you can be creative. And I find for me, it's like if I'm in the gym or exercising, that's when my mind again thinks creatively because you're not putting that pressure on it. So I guess, would that be, they're sort of examples, I guess, of what you're talking about in in real life as well? Yeah, that could be a great example. So that's not linked to chronotypes, which is fine. That's actually something that I do do talk about in the book is that making that Mm -hmm. time for just rest and breaks. Um, Mm -hmm. The -hmm. other example in real life, just to give you a bit of an extra, another example from a work day, if you're saying, okay, how can I make the most of productivity on one given day? Another thing that you can do is just think about how you are organizing your tasks throughout the day. So the most creative tasks, actually, if you can, um, maybe again, not the writing, maybe the thinking about ideas, the brainstorming, the strategizing, it would be good for you to do them and not necessarily when you are the most productive and peak time, because this is the time when you want to yeah. get shizzled done. Um, but yeah. it's actually good to be able to do them straight after you had um, the cookie slump. You know, I mean, if you British people will be like, yes. So, you know, you kind of grab the <laughs> cookie because it's three o'clock, you're tired. And so you get right. a bit like doozy, right? So whether is that, whether it's like you have a walk. So after that break that you give to yourself, that will be a good time to actually be a bit more productive. So a longer example mm-hmm. can be the gym because if you have the time to do that. But if it's a busier day or you don't have the time to actually yeah. do something longer, anything really can, that allows you to switch your brain off can be a really good way to just pick you back up. To pick you back up. Yeah, great. Um, and how, from, from what you've seen, how big of a problem is burnout? Is it something that is now affecting you think a greater number of people than in the past there is some sexy stats that i saved because again as you probably told me like oh, numbers beautiful. numbers are absolutely yeah. terrible in my brain um i'm a wordsmith yeah. i'm not a number person i'm sorry guys um but it was interesting because um in 2020 obviously there's some research because the book coming out this year uh 79 mm-hmm. of us experienced work-related stress so when you put things in perspective if you look about 10 years ago or even four years ago there was still you know we're still hovering around the 40 to 50 percent okay let's not lie however there's been a massive surge now there was a pandemic so i'm not saying that it was just the burnout however Mm -hmm. interestingly enough due to this obviously stat and other things that we've been picking up about the combination of working remotely and stress and performance Burnout has increased so much that in 2020, the World Health Organization recognized it as an occupational phenomenon. What that means is that they realize that it's actually a thing. And I talk about it a lot in the book, actually, of, you know, how can we recognize burnout as a real thing instead of brushing it off, which happened in the past as, hey, you're just a bit stressed, you're just a bit anxious, 
you know, not just because of the physical symptoms, but because of the fact that it, it literally puts you into a, a situation, a mental situation that is really strenuous. So it's really interesting to see how eventually it's been recognized officially, which again, it is another way to start widening the conversation. Um, because I don't call, I don't, I don't care if you call it burnout or if you call it, um, uh, the EBGs it still is something that is mm. injuring your productivity, your well-being. So regardless of the semantics, it's really important to recognize that it does happen and we can actually prevent it by understanding the patterns and by doing things that can improve our relationship with stress and mental well-being and also, again, productivity overall. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, I mean, I, I, I think creating those daily habits is a really important way to do that are you are you big on that having that structure because i think that's like what you're talking about um you know people could listen to this and be like oh, i'm taking good information away from it but how do i actually put it into my day-to-day life like is it sort of creating a, a bit of structure and that discipline i mean you mentioned it before but being quite strict on yourself about that okay i'm gonna have the insider scoop here guys you don't have to wake up at 5 a.m. to be successful. And our Nick is going to be like, no, I wake up early. Maybe you don't. I'm joking. But I know that no, you have this I, yeah. you have to I wake struggle up to get early. out of bed. <laughs> no, exactly. You hear, See, you hear so many of those motivational speakers talk about it. And I mean, I was actually interviewing a sleep expert and she was saying, well, you know, the it's absolutely detrimental to your health if you don't get, you know, enough sleep as well. That's like a huge thing. So it's sort of, yeah got to make sure we do look after ourselves in that way so there's the element of chronotypes mm. that goes back to probably what your your sweet sleep expert might have talked about extensively even if you don't call them chronotypes it's still you know our habits and are we most productive in the morning in the evening so i'm, a, I'm an early bird still i don't wake up at right. five thank you very much i have a social life i have a fiance i want to make sure that it stays that way so i make sure that i'm awake at some points during the night um <laughs> you know it's, it's nice to be able to actually have a life together but jokes aside, yeah. um, you know, that's the problem. There is a, something that I call productivity porn. Uh, again, somebody who loves productivity, right? And then you read about self-help books and, and articles, and there's a lot of pressure on what you should be doing that is going to be the exact solution. And then there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, very bad kind of like endings when you try and then it doesn't work and you're like oh that was a great surprise wasn't it yeah so one thing that i would say is sadly i'm not going to give you any tips again like f- wake up at five and your life is going to change because i also believe that bio individuality is something that works for anything not just wellness and nutrition or fitness um However, Definitely. what I would say is there's something in there that you mentioned, which is whichever rituals you create. So we call, we call them habits or practices. I'm going to tell you why reframing them as rituals is even more powerful because rituals become something that sets an expectation of a reward. Doesn't have to be actually anything outside from doing the ritual or being a rewarding experience. So by ritualizing, you can think about religion. Why are there rituals? Because obviously for that case, it's belonging, but because they create connections. So the science mm-hmm. of it is a bit more lengthy than, than just a podcast, but the, sum, the summary is that yeah. actually the idea of a ritual is really powerful with changing something that would be a coffee into, for example, the morning coffee with before or after the meditation becomes that little thing that seals the habit. So something called habit bundling sure, as well. Yeah can be quite interesting yeah i've had 
Yeah, I had a couple of um, psychologists on the podcast talking about that concept, which that's I think it, it makes sense. Yeah, it's a really powerful way to do it. So you combine them as well, and then obviously you make them into a ritual. So the bundling helps because you might combine something that, again, probably as the psychologist mentioned, you enjoy doing and something mm. that maybe feels a bit more of an effort. And then the ritualization mm. also gives the added meaning. For example, it could be how to begin your day. It could be how to end your day. I'm really big on, to give you some practical examples that you say, okay, fab, I want to use something. End of day mm. rituals can be a lot more powerful than morning rituals. Let me explain why. Because everyone and their mum and their grandma tells you they have to have morning rituals. So I'm not going to add myself to that camp because literally you can read and listen about there's that There's enough everywhere. of it out there. And there's also yeah. in the book. So, yeah. you know, go and read the book. There's plenty of that. But we don't talk enough yeah. about end of day rituals. And talking about boundaries, you need to find interesting ways or, or very meaningful ways for you to say goodbye, laptop has been nice, see you tomorrow. Because when we don't do mm-hmm. that, then it's harder for us to find that separation between end of workday and obviously beginning of the wild night that we're going to have on the couch. So it's really important that we think about these things. Um, so to me, spending a bit of time finding rituals also for the end of the day can be something that we don't hear about enough, we don't think about as much, and actually can have a massive impact on the day after and the morning and the productivity that you're going to have there. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, I, no, I like that. And we haven't, it's good because that's a different example than what's been given a lot of the time when I've spoken to people. So I think um, the end of day rituals for anyone listening, I think that's a really good point, you know, to stick to those. Uh, there you go. Um, I mean, a lot of this is the this podcast is based on, you know, mental health. What, what would you see as the biggest current issue um, around mental health in, in broader society? Um, I think there's an element, there's quite a lot actually, obviously. Um, there's a lot, yeah, yeah. Well, like, when I'm thinking about it, it's like, mm, where do I start? But uh, I'm going to try and give us something maybe that is a bit, still a bit relevant to obviously what I talk about a lot, which is that kind of work side of it and the boundaries. And I think yep. it's an element of, again, that burnout and overwhelm is coming up again and again and again. And I think what happens is we're constantly on overdrive. We're never stopping. So again, that links back to anxiety, something that I am incredibly familiar with. Um, so I think especially right now, something that maybe before wasn't, I'm not going to say as important because it should have been, but maybe as one is spoken mm-hmm. about, you know, the anxiety, the, you know, the, the, the actual exhaustion is something that mm-hmm. maybe some of us would experience because we're just prone to it. But now everyone is experiencing it. And again, it's weird when it comes to mental health issues, some of them become a really bittersweet friend. Like you've been living, I'm living with some of them for the past 20 years. So I know them. I understand. I recognize it, you know, what's mm, going on. Mm, mm. But a lot of people have been like, what is this feeling of dread? I cannot get up in the morning. I literally cannot get out with having a panic attack. And I think this really reminds us of how hard it is with everything going on at us. And trying to fill the void of the fears and what's coming up for us. And we shouldn't use work, even if it's the thing that we love doing because it's our passion, because we're entrepreneurs, we shouldn't use these things to fill our days and not giving us the time to just be still and sit with the feelings. It's bloody scary because sometimes bad things comes up and whether it's fear, whether it's dread, yeah. whether it's uncertainty. Um, but I think, you know, I'm really vocal about speaking up about how we feel without any stigma, without any fear, 
without any recrimination. And I think in the workplace, especially not just for employees, but for everyone, there's a lot of expectations set up by God knows who. Um, yeah. that really pushes to the limit. And we already have enough to think about. We already have enough things to worry about. Is it making sense where I'm coming from? I just think it, we don't talk about it Definitely. enough. Definitely. I think it, it's not talked about enough. I mean, I think that's been one of the good things about COVID because it's so many people have, you know, suffered. Uh, people have had to talk out about it. So I think it started that conversation, but it's still not um, talked about enough. And I think what you were touching on there as well, um, that self-awareness element a lot of us haven't been taught you know we don't get taught about emotions or how to understand ourselves so people might um be reacting to things or feeling you know certain emotions but not understanding where it's coming from not not doing what like what you're saying taking that time out to sit still and and um you know a lot of people have just feed themselves the narrative that okay you know i'm just gonna that use that as fuel to push even harder and um, and try and you know distract myself so that I don't have to think about these problems because you know as you as you said before it's um it can be scary to sit still and really confront ourselves and look at you know what's really going on in our mind. I should have a question maybe also for you first for the listeners sure. but also for you just let us think about okay yep. Has it ever happened that when you took some time off whether it was a holiday whether it was a day off. Have you had a bit of a feeling of guilt? Of like, oh, should I do this? Mm, am I allowed to take the time off? You know, when is the last time that we actually allowed ourselves to take that time off without thinking about, is the world going to end? Is my inbox going to explode? Exactly. Little things yeah. that we tell ourselves. Absolutely. And, you know, I can answer that question as well in my own life. Like I always, I'm, you know, I work for myself, I guess. So it's very hard to turn off and, and, you know, most of the work's all stuff that I'm passionate about. So, um, as you were saying before, it's always so difficult to switch off and you, there's no end to how much you can sort of put into it all. So then you, you do, you have that guilt, but actually, uh, on Saturday I had the day off, I was, you know, tired and had a lot of stuff I should have been doing, but I thought I'm just having the complete day off and, and it felt good. And then, you know, I, I sort of like was refreshed and it's, it, it is, I think it's so important to do it. And what I've learned with my, <laughs> I've got the the thumbs up on there. How'd you put that on the screen? <laughs> I haven't had that That's one. Thank zoom you. thumbs up. I've got the, uh, yes, I got the zoom thumbs up. That's what I've been wanting all, all day. I don't. We're we're done. We're we're done. I got the Zoom thumbs up. That's it. Um, that's all I need. Um, but yeah, I think it, it it is so important. And I find like even days where I'm really struggling, like I'll have up and down days, like everyone. And sometimes you just can't. You know, you just had it. You just not connecting, or you're not sort of feel. You know, you're just overwhelmed. And sometimes I find just stop. Think you know what? I don't have a solution to this work issue right now. I'm just going to stop and have the night off and do you know address it tomorrow and i think that helps a lot as well i love what you mentioned there and i think it's so important because i think it reminds us that work-life balance spoiler alert is not a thing because work is part of life so it should be work and other things balancing other things in your life but if you think that work is separate from life we got the little memo this this past year that it's not it's part of our life. Yeah. So as soon as we separate them, we're going to struggle because actually it is part of Definitely. a bigger picture and there's so many other things that we need to think about. So again, it's just what we are perceived because a lot of us come 
in a way from a more um, corporate world. You know, we come from like, well, this is what work yeah. is supposed to be. And it's hard. I mean, the younger generations have an easier and harder job because they also are doing a lot of things online. So again, there's so many different layers and I think it's really fascinating to see how we're trying to tackle them in different ways and really open that conversation. As you say, awareness is key. Mm, definitely. but and, and that's the thing, isn't it? I think it's what's happened in general is a positive thing because that whole you know how how we've been taught in society that um put everything into categories you know you go to work that's you know not meant to you're not meant to enjoy that you just go and you go to work you do it you have your little amount of time off it's like it's it's not healthy i mean it's unsustainable and it leads to burnout and all those sort of things so uh, i love what you said before it just should be everything's all one of the same thing you know you're working you're living you're looking after yourself you're spending time with your family and friends it's all part of your day-to-day life and it shouldn't you know it's approaching it in a different way than seeing it categorically that oh if i just get through this day then i can finally you know relax and enjoy myself it should be how can we find a way to try and make all of it a bit more enjoyable and you know more just flowing in in our, in our life um and what I was going to ask you regarding that was um, with the pandemic, did you find it, I mean, I imagine you wouldn't have found it too difficult personally because you're probably similar to me, used to sort of working on your own and self-motivating and doing all those sort of things. Was that your experience with, with the pandemic? You mean as opposed to kind of maybe struggling to find a motivation or the drive? Is yeah. that what you mean? Or just yeah. be feeling a bit lonely? Which one? Well, well, the motivation and drive and also just being, you know, overwhelmed. I think I think a big thing like, you know, as you brought up with people that have traditionally, you know, from that corporate world, especially that you go to work and you're, you know, the structure, I think they struggled a lot because then it's like, okay, I'm at home by myself. I need to now get used to my own company. I don't have, I can't, and even just outside of that, I can't now go and go and, you know, go to a bar and get drunk or do this or do that to distract myself. And it, I think that's what caused a lot of mental health problems for people because it's forced everyone to have to somewhat be still. I mean, we can obviously still distract, but um, that was sort of, you know, part of what I was yeah, getting at as well. Um, one thing I would say is that between, I mean, I, I know I mentioned that I have a squirrel in my head. It's literally a squirrel brain. However, I still somehow run yeah. a military operation when it comes to the way that I work, it's just the way I do. Not even for my team actually, where we're we've been working remotely most of the time anyway. So we're we're quite chill yep, because we know yep. what we have to do, that's fine. So it's not micromanaging yep. in that respect. I stopped doing that a long time ago. However, um I never struggled to kind of keep myself motivated and structured, even when I worked for other companies. I was eighteen mm-hmm. when I did my first job for myself when I was doing being a journalist and I had to organise my deadlines and stuff. So I've always been mm. quite good at that. That's never been my issue. I think my issue has been actually, which I think a lot of people would relate, taking breaks, especially when at home, because I would find reasons. Think about it. Just put it in perspective. Even if you work for somebody else, a meeting, whether it's a meeting in a coffee shop, whether it's in two, you know, in two rooms away from the meeting room, you have a bit of a break, right? Right now you go from Zoom A to Zoom B. That's why I talk a lot in the book as well about buffer time. So if you read the book, you'll read more about it. Um, yeah. Or different things that you can do just to take that that little break. So for me, driving motivation, nah, all fine. But when it comes to actually taking that little breather, that's been probably what the pandemic has, has really shown me. Also, this is something that many yeah. entrepreneurs will relate with. 
just the pivoting has been constant. You're like, oh, I'm going to try this. Oh, no, I need to do that. Oh, no, I need to change this. Oh, no, I need to try that. So all year of that, even for the most yeah. entrepreneurial person in the world, is tiring because <laughs> they're never, ex- ever settling. And it's exhausting. great. It's great because it teaches yeah. you one certainty is, but also yeah. it, it will take a toll, a touch, just a touch. Just a touch. <laughs> um, yeah, it definitely. But it, it does come with a lot of uncertainty. I think, you know, I think a bit of uncertainty is good. And But I think that's the thing we need to have, um, you know, we all need to feel some sort of certainty. And uh, yeah, I mean, that, that for me to find cer- the certainty, because there's so much uncertainty and I guess how I, my career and life and living in different countries and all sorts of things. So I guess for me, it's again comes back to like I've been exercising for you know my whole life. I meditate every day. I um, gratitude journal. I do these like sort of rituals, like what you were talking about um, daily. That that gives me certainty because I know that um, if I can't control anything else, that at least that stuff that will be consistent because that's just personal to me. Um, so I guess it goes back to you know those rituals and how important um, that is for people to to do. And if I can add just to the element of uncertainty, because obviously it's a big thing right now. Yeah. Also, whichever situation yeah. you're in, you're thrown in, just stop. If you can, stop and ask yourself, what can I control right now? What is the, what, what? Most of the time it's our, our state, our mind. Sometimes you actually get a bit of extra, which is nice. But ask yourself, okay, mm. this is poop. This is royal poop. But what can I control? Mm. And that will help you reframing and at least it gives you a reminder that there are some things that are still within your grasp and sometimes just the permission that we give ourselves to remember that. And that's a very simple question, but I used it quite a lot in the past year. Yeah, well, definitely. But I mean, and a lot of it's logical, isn't it? It's like we, and I, you know, my biggest thing is overthinking and anxiety and, um, you know, when you observe a lot of it, it's sitting there on your own um thinking about things over and over again compulsively that um and you know expecting that to somehow change the result or to when you know logically it won't so if you look at it just on a black and white logical level there's absolutely zero benefit in sitting and obsessing about things you can't change so if we can have that logical approach and it's hard to do and it actually reminded me of something you said before that i wanted to ask you um I know for me, and I'm still, you know, I'm getting better with that. That's been the biggest problem for me in my own life um, of changing that sort of, you know, trying to move out of that anxiety and overthinking. Um, But I remember you said before, it becomes, you know, these are things we've been doing our whole life for 20 years, 30 years, whatever. And it's so ingrained. And I know it became my comfort zone. So it's this weird thing where um, you overthink and it's not pleasant, it's uncomfortable, but it's also familiar. So it's sort of, gives you the comfort uh so then when you try and break it you just feel you feel lost and you feel it's a very weird feeling is uh yeah i wanted to ask you about that and what your thoughts were on um how to how to break out of that comfort zone of those unhealthy sort of thinking habits that's a really hard question and actually it's very interesting that you mentioned that because that's literally how i would explain to people uh, when I was deep into the into the depression stage, very deep into that, mm. and what I would think, and and some and some of the things obviously are not pleasant. You know, you go you go down a very quick rabbit hole, and I would say, yep. and I and at first, the rational brain would be like, huh, 
why would you think that? And then, as you say, the irrational brain will think, that was my comfort zone, that's how I would soothe myself, or that's what my brain will try to do to cope with the other pain that I would feel that other people wouldn't understand, because it just was impossible to explain when you are 13, you know. So you just can't deal with yeah. it your own yeah. way. So I think there's always a great reminder, obviously, for anybody that feels a bit triggered, because like, ah, that is me. It's okay to struggle with rationalizing something that is very irrational because it becomes, to me, is almost like that coping mechanism that we fall under. Yep. As you say, you know, repetition is the mother of skills, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. It will kind of create that pattern that will follow. So to me, breaking the pattern can be done in a variety of ways, but I like to be able mm -hmm. to break those patterns. So this most stupid thing that I do, uh, in a good way, but um, again, singing, we heard about my incredible like abilities as a singer however usually I tend to dance so again it really does depend but if I'm very deep into a bad state then usually I would actually go for a walk so that's probably a bit safer but when I'm a bit more just funky so not probably like you know very overwhelmed but just a bit funky for me mm. the best way to break a pattern is usually movement I know people that had literally been yeah. putting water on their face okay so you can do it in different wow. ways. You can also, yeah, I know. Uh, I, th I find I like dancing it. Yeah. a bit more, <laughs> it's a bit more subtle. But you know, I just put a song on and I literally just move like a maniac for a minute, yeah. uh, and that helps with the funk. Again, as I said, if I'm a bit deeper, maybe in a bad in a bad way, I just remove myself from the situation and go for a walk. But really breaking that pattern really helps me because. I, it's hard for me to treat something very rational with rush, with rationale because my brain's going to be like, eh, I don't care. I know, but I don't want to care now. And so I'm like, okay, so let's remove ourselves. Let's find something that is peaceful, something that makes me feel happy and that grounds me. And that's kind of what helps Absolutely. me because I'm fighting with fire, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And no, I love that example. And, and I think, you know, uh, it is. I, I found I talked about movement before. I, I found I think exercise, movement, anything, anything moving is just one of the most powerful ways to break out of um, bad thinking habits. And it, yeah, I love the way you you said it. That you know your mind will it won't stop until because it's just thinking. Oh, I'm just going to think harder, and hopefully a solution will come. And it's it, so really, it's not about trying to remove negative thinking or try and you know not feel anxiety we're probably gonna you know that's and all these emotions will feel forever I mean different ways they come and go but it's realizing it's having the self-awareness when that's happening to think okay that's this is happening again I can't think my way out of it I'm gonna just get up I'm gonna dance go for a walk whatever I, I find just you know I'll get up and just go for a walk outside go get a coffee and then it, it, it it's crazy that it sometimes takes like two minutes and you're thinking clearly again but when you're in it you just can't get out of it yeah i find that's a big thing it's just you know the simple things that you can do just to you know reframe that and again it's probably because we keep trying to fill our brain and our time with things and for whichever reason whether we're forced to whether it's just again it's yet another coping mechanism and that will injure us especially if we're slipping into some behaviors that we don't like because we don't make the time to face what is coming at us that's why i said i really praise boredom mm -hmm. a lot in the book because it actually has that mm -hmm. magic of that stillness is literally meditation is the process of mindfulness mm -hmm. just applied into not just the five, nothing wrong. Love meditation, five minutes in the morning, 10 minutes, golden. But then you want to make sure that throughout the day, you're also bringing that practice of mindfulness. Like um, 
the good uh, proverb that says when you're washing the dishes, wash the dishes. You know, these little things will really make a difference. Be in the moment with what you're doing, yeah. That, that, that's way more important than, I mean, meditation's great because it's really just training your mind to be, you know, focused on one thing. But um, I think the stuff throughout the day is the most important because that's, you know, how we just live through the day, um, how we sort of keep ourselves present. And I guess like what I was thinking of as well with how busy you are, how ambitious you are, and, you know, you're very, you know, I guess goal-oriented by the sound of it. And you're always, you know doing new things and working um how do you find that there's a, a struggle with um enjoying the present compared to thinking you know working towards the future because that's such a common thing i find that really hard where it's always looking at oh just when this happens or if i get to here or you know if you've got a friend that's achieving something it's oh no i need to push myself to get that then i can give myself permission to relax and be happy which there's really no end to it but do you find that hard to find that balance within the two things? I used to, and I think what has helped me has been probably working a lot on what success really means to me. And that's yeah. been like like that, that, again, funnily enough, literally the book, before I talk about all the sexy hacks that people kind of like eat up, I actually talk about mindset a lot. And I really go back to the question of how can you reframe not just success for the next year for the next six months but at the daily definition of success for yourself um because yeah. it is never ending otherwise as you rightfully mentioned it could be never ending quite easily you can constantly try to push yourself which again has its benefits but if somebody already pushes themselves a lot then it becomes a vicious cycle so once you yeah. you first start understanding how can you be successful every day is like the same concept of how can you make it impossible for you to fail then you can help yourself by setting uh, achievements that are based on you and not that comparison and not what other people are saying. I remember I told I was talking to a client this month and I said to her, just go on an advice fast because she was having loads of second thoughts and, and you know, very much overwhelmed. And I said, go on advice fast. I mean, obviously you can get mine because you're paying me for it. But everybody else, just for a month, shut them down. You do you, you do what your gut is telling you rekindle with your gut with your intuition yeah. and then you can ask all the advice you want but there are different things that we do that really put us a lot into what other people are thinking what other people are saying we should do we should look like we should successful should be cut the noise exactly. every so often because there's so much noise mm. and it is literally constantly at us exactly and that's i think that's the only thing we we can do um because uh, it, it, it's so hard to not be influenced by other people otherwise and where unless you want to isolate yourself and not interact with other people we're going to be hearing different opinions and have different things forced on us and a lot of the time uh, because people are insecure in themselves I'll be projecting things onto us and I know for me you know even recently I was around friends that I hadn't seen in a while who um, we get, went on different pathways and they've made a huge amount of money in different industries and their whole goal has been I need to make more money and all they talk about is their net worth and this that and the other and it started triggering me making me um, feel insecure and bring up old feelings I used to have and think oh I need to make more money so I can you know otherwise I'm going to be a failure and then I thought hang on that is absolutely not my what you like the what you mentioned which I think about this all the time and I think it's just so important identifying personally for yourself what is my measure of success? Uh, and once you know that really strongly, then you can think, hang on, is what that person is projecting on me 
in line with my, what my measure is. No, it's not. Fine, good on them if that works for them, but that's not for me. Otherwise, you just you can't find peace. You'll just be, you know, getting dragged in different directions and making the wrong decisions and going against you. And I think that's when people get anxious as well. When you, when you, your gut knows that you're going against what you really value because you're trying to impress someone else or you're trying to attain something that someone else has that's not personal to you. So I think it is. And, you know, identifying what is it that I really, really care about that's important to me that I'll do daily no matter what. I talk a lot about an exercise which goes back to exactly what you said. I love that you mentioned actually your values and how they they should be driving you and when they drive you, as you say, you feel that intuition, it all makes sense. You kind of know how to evaluate success for yourself. I talk a lot about your own values and understanding what they are and what they translate as. As you said, if you mm-hmm. want to be the seven-figure coach or entrepreneur, good on you. But some mm-hmm. people actually deep down they don't want that because what they want, for example, is a freedom lifestyle that allows them to have be flexible and agile and free and not many responsibility and you know a simple work life, whatever that is. And they realize that maybe that those values clash with the expectation of what success should be because that's not their idea of success. So really getting clear on your values is the most important thing you can do and refreshing that as much as possible. Extra tip. Yeah. Look also at your personal values versus your professional, especially if you're working for yourself because sometimes we Mm -hmm. don't realize that maybe our personal values clash with our professional ones. And that could actually mean that we aren't going to be unhappy again and we don't feel successful because we're pushing in two different directions. So literally almost rank yeah. them, create a list of your values from personal and professional and just see what comes up. When you see them in front of you, you'll probably understand whether you are living your life in two tracks or one. Yeah, I love that because I think it is. It's again that categorical thing where a lot of people have the view that uh, yeah, this is what I really do care about, but I'm doing X because it's a... Actually, I was talking to someone the other day about this. He's Because um, I'm, in, I'm in New York at the moment and my friend's here and there's a lot of people that are in banking and finance and I met a friend of a friend and he's a lawyer and he's making really good money and he's working nonstop, seven days a week, you know, crazy hours. And he was saying, he's sitting there saying, I hate, I absolutely hate what I do but I love money. And I said, well, you know, maybe you could find a different balance. He's telling me all these other things, you know, you could see him lighting up when he's talking about how passionate he is about fashion and, you know, other other things in life. Um, and I was like, well, why don't you, you know, look at that career? And he said, no, 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 it's, I, I can't make as much money in that. I have to do this. But there's, to me, that feels like a bit of a, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's very compartmentalizing those two areas, um, which again, that's probably going to lead to burnout or, you know, and basing it just on money is is difficult. But I guess that's another question, which I still, I want to ask you about this. You might have a better, a better sort of idea about how to deal with it than me. But because we live in, you know, such a capitalistic world, it's expensive. And if you want to have a family, you want to do this, that, the other, it requires money. Um, my value is not money or, you know, I want money so I can have um, stability and do the things I love. But then how do you how do you sort of keep doing the things you love without getting caught up and losing the um, authenticity of why you do it? Because, you know, while you're trying to sort of build that life and foundation, which does have a financial component to it, it's sort of a very fine balance, I find, to how do you do that? How to do that? 
I think you kind of hit the nail on the head though with what you mentioned. You didn't mention like the value is money. The value is stability, for example. The value is a family. So again, it's the mm-hmm. same thing like, you know, the, the good old trope of like money doesn't buy happiness. It's kind of handy though. You know what I mean? Understanding mm-hmm. what your values are. Like, I think the misconception starts with the fact that, again, if you ask the friend of a friend of a friend of a friend, whether it's like, I love money. It's like, okay, wait a second. You don't love money. And then you ask him, for example, what do you love about it? Maybe it's like, again, the, um, the lifestyle, maybe is the, the freedom to travel, maybe is the freedom to go and, and party, the socializing element. These are the mm-hmm. values. And obviously understanding that helps you reframing that the money is the medium that allows you to create the lifestyle that you want. And then it does become obviously a, a, a medium, you know, means to an end, you know, whether it's the family, whether it's having a beautiful house. And again, it just helps you reframing that and putting less pressure on that. And also, again, it brings you back to the why, not the how. Because I think that's a lot of pressure. It's like, well, the how is going to be in this job because this is the job that pays me that much. And it's really yeah. hard when you think that what you're looking for is really money. You kind of are mm. not. There's probably something that money is helping you achieve or live or, or get. And it's usually a value or a feeling. So when you can go back to that, mm. it just gives mm. you a bit more flexibility because you're like, okay, this is what I want. And then you start building that based on the life that you want to lead instead of the things that you want, which are not going to, again, yeah. be sustainable in the long run. Because you realize, actually, when you get the new pair of sneakers, you're like, oh, I mean, great. But then you forget about yeah. them. And then there's the next thing and then there's the next thing. So, you know, materialistic yeah. world is hard to live in when you're trying to find that balance. Um but also it's a lot of pressure again it goes back to the comparison it goes back to the burnout it goes back to the when is enough it never is never ever enough is it and that's the interesting thing that you see happen as well i think if you remove yourself from that material world and get truly aligned with your values you you do find that that hang on the things that i really care about i whether i have basically no money or i'm making a, a lot of money the core things every day we can you can do you know the things that are really meaningful they're available to absolutely everyone um, but then what also happens is once people taste a certain level of money, they get sort of addicted to that feeling of, oh, I you know, got a high from when I bought this product or went out to this dinner or did this. And, and again, I've talked to, I've got a lot of, fre- or known a lot of people that are quite wealthy and you see the behavior patterns where it just builds and they need to do more and more and more and, and then make more money to service that lifestyle. But they don't, ever really seem that happy it's more about just what's next what's next what's next not being present in in the moment so it fuels it it really fuels that yeah anyway that's something could probably another podcast to talk about but um we're we're almost out of time here but we finish you know we yeah thank you for i've really enjoyed talking to you and for everything you've shared it's been great um we finish every episode with uh just five um quick closing questions so these can be you know short one-line answers or whatever comes to mind but um just like to see sort of the different answers that come up um so the first one is what is your best childhood memory oh god oh yes uh a a birthday that i spent with my mum and dad we had pizza and then we watched i think dr delito which is a terrible movie but it was one of the few memories of me and my family being all together uh, actually nice. doing something together. So yeah, that's probably one of my favorite ones. Beautiful, thank you. Um, what do you think is the biggest burden on mental health in society today? And you sort of answered this earlier, but um, I'll ask it anyway. Yeah, what do you think is the biggest burden right now? Uh, 
expectations of ourselves and others because that's what really builds oh. that chatter, that internal dialogue, and it brings everything else up. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's it's crazy. And just again, to go to a personal example about that, it was sort of, you know, I'm, when I'm away from all of that, because I guess because I'm, you know, quite sensitive and it triggers things, you can get influenced so much by other people. But in general, I'm really happy with what I'm doing. But then I'm around other people, especially the friends that are making money, and then it fuels this expectation that, okay, now I need to quickly make my business, make way more money and do this and do that. And then you realize, hang on, I don't want to even do that stuff. And it feels awful and you feel yuck. And yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a big one. Yeah. So I agree. Um, what, wh- where do you think mental health um, in society will be in, in 10 years time? Do you think things will uh, fundamentally be improving or do you think it's going to get worse or maybe a bit of both? I want to be a realist with a touch of optimism. Um, again, as a marketer, as I said, that's my background. So I'm really passionate about the new generation of marketing, as in, let's read into that, the new generation of consumers as well, okay, and audiences and people. And again, mm-hmm. uh, somebody who just created a school for marketing, which is going to launch soon as well. I really studied Gen Z, which is just the youngsters, just a generation after us good old peeps. Um, and there are people that are really open to understand the values, to um, champion and represent like where you want to go. They want to make a, a better world for themselves. And I think it's only fair. It's yeah. a long time we do that. So I want to be positive yeah. within that. It's going to be hard work because obviously a lot of other generations didn't make it easy on them. But I think because of that freedom of being able to speak up a bit more and be open and honest, I can only see things getting better. Definitely. Yeah, completely agree with, with that answer. Um, I think it will lead that way. Um, so just two more here. Um, what is your definition, your personal definition of happiness? Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> that's a hard one. Uh, um, the pers- Again, I'm thinking now, instead of definition, I'm thinking about a moment of happiness, like, and that's probably not exactly what I'm thinking about. Uh, mm. um, I would say, actually... The definition of happiness to me is being in the moment because every moment that I think I was mm-hmm. really happy, I was again watching the fiance half asleep or I was looking at the water, you know, in a lake or I was just looking at nature. So it was being in the yes. moment, in that moment, that's really what happiness was. I, I really love that answer. And, and again, that goes back to, you know, we put all this pressure on ourselves and like you said, expectations and this, that and the other, we need to do this and do that and we, we're not enough. And at the end of the day, it is, I think it's all the in-between things that are actually what make life rich and what make us happy. There's these little things, you know, that, that, that people would find boring. It's, that's, that, that, that's what, you know, that's what life is about. It's made up of all of that. Yeah. Um, final one, what would you say is the most courageous thing you've ever done? Um, I want to say the one that I'm going to do next, but, um, cause I'm always pushing myself a touch, uh, but if we're yeah. looking retrospectively, then probably, I guess it could be moving to, obviously I'm Italian, by the way, I'm Italian, just again, you can't see the hands, but you can feel the hands moving for half of the, of the interview. So I'm Italian. Um, so I moved away from home 10 years ago and I moved to the UK with big dream to wow. become a music journalist, etc., etc. And everything went the other way, but getting away from home, starting afresh, making new friends, figuring out what I wanted to do. That was 
that was probably one of the things I'm like, yeah, did that, didn't look back. So that's probably one big that's one. That's a tough, that's a tough thing to do. Yeah, no, it's a, a, a very hard thing to do. And it sounds like you've done incredibly well in doing it. Um, so just bef- finally, for uh, you talked about the book. That's You said it's coming out in May? Yeah, May uh, the 11th, 2021. So again, this year. Um, so yeah, yep. May the 11th, Reclaim Your Time Off, little baby book, which I always have next to me because in case I never need to like just make it pass across, which is, is weird. You get so you get so yeah, hey. defensive with the book. You get really like person. It's like babies, like hello friend. So yeah, absolutely. It's great. And how can people? Um, how can they purchase it when it comes so out? So if um, if you go, there's a couple of options. One, uh, the most straightforward one is just going on Le Amazon and writing yep. claim your time off, and it will come up. If you want to have some fun, though, I would suggest you can find me at at <clears throat> my name. That's a fun one. Fab Giovanetti, which is F-A-B-G-I-O-V-A-N-E-T-T-I. So that's on every kind of social media. I recommend Instagram because it's really funny. And in there you can find, yep. obviously, all the links to purchase it. And that could be a fun way to get you in one. A bit of fab in your life and a book. Bam! There you go. Fab and a book. Done. We'll put the links um in the bio of this episode. So anyone want, that wants to buy your book and look you up, they can, they'll find it. So just go into the links to find that. So... Uh, Fab, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for the um, virtual clap as well. This episode of Move Your Mind was produced and edited by Tim Boozer. Thanks to Fab Giovanetti for joining me today for Move Your Mind. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.